Today, I have a very special conversation to share with you. M. Shipman, Executive Director of the organization Kids Gardening, is on the show to share all about her organization's work bringing gardening opportunities to kids all over the country. If you've never grown anything before or never thought about helping to get a garden program going in your community, M might be the one to change your mind. I loved learning from her about the value of gardening experiences, and I know you will love it too. Listen in. Welcome to Happy Outdoor Families, the podcast that encourages and equips families to spend more time exploring and playing together outside. I'm your host, Emily Eisenbarger, and I hope that as you listen in each week, you will feel inspired and excited about reconnecting your kids and yourselves with the outdoors. Each Monday, I will be bringing you a grown-up episode featuring conversations about all things outdoor play and adventure-related. Every Wednesday, make sure you tune in for an episode just for the kids to listen to with their grown-ups, where I will bring you a simple play invitation to get you started with some fun, open-ended outdoor play. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Warm weather is starting to really settle in here in Middle Tennessee. Our grass is growing, and so are all the dandelions, clover, and violets that dominate our yard. Over the last few weeks, I've seen my daylily plants re-emerge from the ground, which always feels like a bit of a miracle, and it has gotten me thinking about gardening. I am by no means an expert, but I've tried growing a few things with my kids over the years, and it is always such a fun and enriching experience. With Earth Day coming up this week, and fun fact, April being Kids Gardening Month, it felt like the perfect time to bring you an episode all about gardening. But I knew it would be even better if you could hear from someone who is a lot more knowledgeable than me. I am very excited to have a special guest on the show today. M. Shipman is the executive director of Kids Gardening, a national nonprofit that creates opportunities for kids to learn and grow through gardening. With nearly 20 years of experience leading transformative programs in food systems, agriculture, and education, M. is a passionate advocate for hands-on outdoor play and learning opportunities for all children. M. lives and gardens in Vermont with her two young sons, and I can't think of a better guest to have on the show as we are getting into the spring gardening season. M, welcome to Happy Outdoor Families. Thank you. Thanks so much. So I have to tell you, I just discovered kids gardening this year. I was searching around and looking for resources to use with my own kids and found your website. And I was blown away, like so excited to find it. There are so many different resources and lesson plans and activities that are on there and just free. And so we've used a few of the activities and I really feel like we've just barely scratched the surface. Yeah. So as an introduction to everyone listening, can you tell us a little bit about what the Kids Gardening Organization does and who you serve. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm so so pleased that you discovered our website and I think you're among many new families who discovered our website in this last year. Uh, it was an important year for families to connect through gardening, I think. 
So we are a national yes. nonprofit and we create opportunities for kids to learn and grow through gardening. Uh, we're a leader in the youth garden space. So we're about 40 years old. Uh, we were founded in, in 1982. So almost as old as I am. <laughs> and kids gardening <laughs> provides grants and original educational material to educators uh, and caregivers across the country who are then reaching students and, and youth through youth garden programs. So our grants range anywhere from $250 to $5,000, and we have several grants that we offer throughout the year. So if any of your listeners are in, involved in any youth garden programs, go onto our site and look for a grant and apply for those funds um, so that you can grow your, your local youth garden programs. And then, like you said, we have, oh, probably hundreds of activities and lesson plans for families and for educators to do with kids to get kids engaged in the garden. And those have been developed over decades and, and revised frequently. They range from really fun activities that you can do with just a couple materials to, you know, high school soil science curriculum. So it really runs the gamut in terms yeah. of um, the, the rigor and the sort of the ease. So we have really easy, fun stuff to do, like some of my favorites, like kitchen scrap gardening or making a seed viewer or making cute little plant pals, like little chia pets, all the way, <laughs> like I said, to, you know, uh, science and math curriculum that's standards-based for, you know, high school educators or or, or other formal educators. I love that you have a really wide range of resources available. Kind of like you're mentioning, it's not just gardening logistics, but there are lesson plans that cover math concepts. And we did an activity from the website that was about kindness in the garden. Great. So we read a picture book about, you know, these, oh, what is it called? If you plant a seed mm -hmm. about these animals growing a garden and choosing whether or not they're going to share and got to have conversations about that. So there's just, there's so much there. There's and so, so many much things that can be applied. Yeah. I'm glad you yeah. brought that up because um, May is actually going to be, our focus for May is going to be around social emotional learning and kindness and compassion. So we're developing even more resources for that because we really do believe that gardening is a great way to grow compassion in your kids. But like you say, it's also a great way to teach math. It's a great way to get physical activity and learn about food and nutrition. So, so many benefits of gardening with kids. Yes. Well, that kind of leads into another thing that I wanted to ask about, which is why, um, why focus on gardening specifically? I think there's a lot of movement right now and interest in getting kids outside and um, different outdoor activities, outdoor education. What do you see as some of the benefits with gardening activities specifically for kids? Yeah, yeah. There are so many benefits to being outside, and you reap all of those benefits when you're gardening, right? But then I think there are some additional benefits that gardening brings. When kids learn through the garden, they're really feeding all of their senses. And I think people are learning increasingly that those sensory experiences are really important for children, young children. Then they're even important for adults, I think, as if we sort of tune in to, to our bodies and our needs, we realize that we need those sensory experiences too. 
And what I like to tell parents and, and educators is, you know, a, a lot of kids are sensory seekers and a lot of kids are sensory avoiders. But when you're outside and in, your, in the garden, you're getting as much or as little sensory input as you need. Nature is great in that way. You know, you can, you can yeah. avoid, <laughs> you know, you can calm outside and, and avoid some of the intense sensory input that you would get in a small space in a, in a busy classroom with kids. But you can also seek mm -hmm. the sensory input that you need by digging in the soil with your hands or smelling flowers. So it's really a regulating environment for kids. And I feel like that's, um, you know, if we think about it in terms of a pyramid, it's forming that foundation of, of sensory regulation and emotional regulation that children need. Mm -hmm. um, and they're getting that physical activity that they need in order to feel happy and calm. And when they're happy and calm, so much more is possible for them. So they can be better learners. They're building positive associations with nature. They're regulated and, and, and able to make better decisions for themselves and as they grow older for the environment. So really learning in the garden is a place to, to feel calm, to regulate, to feel happy, be physically active. And then you're setting the stage for learning. And there's so many learning opportunities in the garden as kids can slow down and observe natural processes. And I love to talk about the garden as a lab. It's like the ultimate learning lab. You know, we, we try to recreate these labs indoors in classrooms. Um, but outdoors, it, it's, it's just happening in the garden, um, you know, in front of our eyes, and we don't really have to, to build it as much. So kids are slowing down and, and noticing, you know, a flower blooming or, and going to seed and that seed falling and sprouting the next year. And those processes are really important learning opportunities for kids. Definitely. I love that. And I feel like with my own kids, so I have three little girls. Um, there are seven, four, and two right now. Wow. Um, I feel like having a garden, and, and I'm a novice gardener, you know, I'm, I'm by no means an expert, but we always try to grow a few things. And I love having that space that they feel connected to and they feel some ownership over it. Yeah. So they, like you said, they, they have all these opportunities to notice these processes and, and to learn from that. And to feel like they are really a part of that, um, and to kind of take some pride in that process of bringing something from being this tiny little seed into this eight foot tall sunflower. Yeah. We did sunflowers last year, and they loved it. Um, and just being able to to see that, and you know, th some things grow faster than others, but to see that pretty quickly mm -hmm. for a relatively period of time to see all of those changes. I, it's been really rewarding for them and for me too, to be able to participate in that. Yeah. Yeah. It is one of the few places I think in life where you can see the impacts of your actions so quickly. And it does teach that cause and effect for kids and they can watch, you know, within a matter of hours, a drooping plant that needs water, water it and have that sense of responsibility. Totally. And then it perks up and like, that is a miracle when you're a child. And I think yes. the garden really helps cultivate that sense of wonder and awe and curiosity, you know, that's really only um, available in, in nature, but it just happens at a faster rate than if you were, say, watching the seasons in the forest or something. Yes. 
Yeah, definitely. And we love doing that too, right? right? We've, we've done the seasonal scavenger hunts and kind of the slow observation over the year, but with a garden, yeah, it's so much, so much faster and so much more apparent, I think, almost on a, on a day-to-day yeah. basis you can see so many changes happening. Yeah. And in that sense, it's a really great, um, a really great place to teach growth mindset. So I like to tell kids and parents that there are no mistakes in gardening, that gardening is just experimentation. So, you know, Mm -hmm. because there is this really fast sort of feedback loop and this cause and effect, you can make a decision one day and see the results of that the next. And it's not a mistake. And it's an experiment you can try again. And within a few weeks, you may have a new plant and you can start over and, you know, pay attention to what worked and what didn't last time and, and do it again. I love that. And I'm so excited to, we haven't started growing much yet, but I'm excited to start seeing things pop up and getting close to that season now. Um. So talking about all that, I'm kind of thinking about my own experience at my house with my own kids, but I know that kids gardening goes far beyond just the the at-home gardens. And a lot of what you do, the the grant programs that that are out there are for school gardens as well, right? And organizations. And I was reading a little bit about um, your impact report from the past couple of years and literally reaching millions of kids across the U.S. through these different programs and resources, which is so amazing. And I wonder if you can think of a story or a situation um, maybe from a school or an organization that Kids Gardening has funded that maybe had an impact on you as the executive director. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was recently talking to a director of a of an after-school program in Ohio, and I was just amazed at what the program was able to do in terms of fostering a sense of empowerment with the youth. So this is a teen after-school program, and the teens choose what activities they want to do as part of the program, and they develop, uh, you know, sort of tracks around these activities. And they decided they wanted to do something around food and cooking, and they were they were doing this. this um, you know, this daily cooking class as part of the after-school program. And very quickly, um, they started, you know, learning about the fruits and veggies that they were, that they were cooking with and, and talking about where do they come from? How do they grow? And decided to start a garden. And they started small and they started with just containers in the back lot of the school in mm-hmm. the first year growing in five-gallon buckets. Um, but over the course of that year, like Many people who begin gardening, they really, those students really caught the bug. And mm-hmm. in the next year, they were able to, to work with the city. So it's this past year uh, to work with the city to lease a vacant lot that the city had and to start a small farm with raised beds. And they were growing produce. Um, not only were they able to use that produce in their after school program for their cooking class, but they were then able to start donating that. Um, and their after school program turned into a summer, uh, workforce development program for teens. So then they were able to offer, they were able to coordinate a workforce development program whereby the students were growing the produce and harvesting it and cooking it, but also, um, learning some serve safe training, serve safe, serve safe is like a certification for, uh, food Mm -hmm. service folks. And so, 
teens were able to get that certification and learn job skills, connect to where their food was coming from, learn how to grow food, you know, be outdoors and be physically active like we've been talking about, but also learning food sovereignty. So this was in an under-resourced, um, an under-resourced community where there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a lot of access to healthy food. So this is also teaching food sovereignty and teaching these students how to grow their own food, you know, how to be self-sufficient in that way, which is so valuable. So that, that story just is just one of many. And especially in 2020, we heard so many beautiful stories of, of youth garden programs giving back to the community by creating, by growing food to, um, to donate to food banks and meal sites and food shelves. It really was a beautiful year for, for youth gardens. And they really were sort of a, a beacon of hope in this past year when things seemed so dismal yeah. and all of us were so, so stressed out. And, um, you know, I think oh, goodness, gardens yeah. were, a were a bright spot for a lot of people and a way for people to, um, take action, which I think many of us know that when we at least feel like we can do something or in control of something, you know, we feel like yes, we're making things better in some way, you know, when things aren't going so well. Yes. Oh, that's so lovely. And I love how it started from just five-gallon buckets. Yeah. <laughs> and then turned into something so much more. I mean, I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. And in my experience, you you mentioned with the with being able to donate some of that food to, to contribute to the community in that way. That that's so that's so amazing. And that's such an awesome um, facet of a program like that because I know. A lot of times when families do face food insecurity, when you are maybe receiving from, from a food pantry, a food bank, fresh produce is not often available. And so to be able to provide that is, is such an amazing gift. Yeah, it's, it's so amazing and so healthy and nutritious and delicious. Yeah, it's wonderful. And just wonderful for students to get to be a part of the solution, right? I mean, even if they're only able to donate, you know, 60 pounds of produce, it's like they're doing something to give back to their community. And it's a really important, um, you know, experience in their lives. And I would, I think it's safe to assume that those students will grow up to be folks who will continue to give back to their community because they've, they've felt the joy of doing that. They've experienced that joy. Mm-hmm. That's lovely. Since we're talking about, um, the school programs and kind of getting into there. I wonder if we can kind of stay on that for a minute. And what about um, for for parents who have kids in school or for educators who are listening to this and they're really interested in getting a garden program started at their school or at their organization? Do you have advice for how to approach a school administration with that idea and how to access resources to get something like that off the ground. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we have resources for this on our website. So if you go to kidsgardening.org and you search starting a school garden or creating a school garden, you you'll come up with this, but I would love to run through some of this with you and just, you know, underscore a few pieces. And I think what's important for parents specifically, if you want to see a garden in your child's school or in your community school, I, I've seen the most success when people work sort of 
top down and bottom up, so to speak, at the same time. Like, educators are definitely going to need the support of the administration in order to sustain a school garden program. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, the administration, a good administration is not going to want to have a school garden program unless educators are really on board with the idea. Um, You don't want to force, you don't want to force educators into, you know, teaching through the garden if that's not their thing. Um, So, so I think principals, administrators definitely want educators to be on board too. So I think identifying those educators who, who would be inclined to teach through the garden um, and talking with them and then going to the school board and the principals um, to gather support. And as you're doing that, I think at the same time, forming a committee of volunteers like a, like, like a PTA would be formed, you know, uh, people who would, um, commit some time to to making it happen. So I run the garden program at my son's preschool, and we just have a mm-hmm. few families who who help out, who have volunteered to help out. And we meet every couple of months, and then over the summer, each family will take a week and commit to watering that week when school's closed, um, when the teachers aren't going to be around. So it's not a huge commitment. And one mm-hmm. one wonderful thing about the the week long watering commitment is that that family takes home any excess produce that week too. So that's fun. So you bring your kids and they snack and you water. Um, and it, it's really quite fun. And it was more fun when we were able to get together with other families, of course. But So I think sure. starting a committee and just having some folks who can volunteer some time to help out. Some teachers are nervous to teach through the garden because they are reticent to take kids outside without additional adult supervision. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of kids have gotten into the mindset that like outside time is recess time. Like outside time is time to get wild and run and go crazy. And, um, it often is, but the more we get kids accustomed to doing class outside, the more they will sort of understand that there are, um, you know, some, some boundaries around behavior outside and in the garden. So we have resources for that as well, sort of classroom management in the garden, in the outdoor garden space. But it can be helpful for educators to have an additional adult on hand if that's a parent or a paraeducator or whomever. Um, mm-hmm. So, so they love they love volunteers for that reason. Um, but you know, some of the other steps would be, of course, designing the garden and working with the school and working with different stakeholders mm-hmm. in the school community to see what kind of garden is needed. You know, are there are there kids with special needs who could use the garden, and are there ways to develop the garden that would be more accessible for for them, um, for wheelchairs or sensory gardens for kids who have mm-hmm. sensory processing disorder or who are on the autism spectrum, um, and then identifying some resources to to fund the garden, and that could be through the PTA, it could be through grants from Kids Gardening. We have about five or six grants that we offer throughout the course of the year, but we also have on our website a list of all the other organizations that we know of that offer garden grants. So you can go there to our grants section and see what's available. Um, And it doesn't take a lot of money to get started. And often your local hardware store and your local nurseries will donate something towards it as well. That's great. Yeah. So I'm curious, in this last year, uh, with a, a lot of activities and and school and our ability to be together looking really different. Have you seen 
an increased interest in teaching kids outside. I, I guess I kind of think about that. I wonder because obviously when we're outside, we're we're in you know fresh air and more ability to space out. And um, have you seen more open mindedness to taking class outside? We have, yeah. We saw a huge, huge increase in interest in gardening with kids and just in general in taking class outside last summer and developed some resources around that. And we worked with Green Schoolyards America to, um, you know, to, to try to develop some guidance around how to do that. A lot of teachers were new to that mm-hmm. um, and so wanted some guidance around how to make that work. There also, I know at some schools was sort of competition for the outdoor space. Like so many teachers oh, yeah. wanted to start taking their classes outside to make it safe um, and to allow kids that, you know, hands-on experiential learning that there was limited outdoor space to use. And so we were encouraging folks to, you know, to, to keep in mind that you actually don't need a garden to do garden-based learning. Like you can do garden-based learning with the the weeds that are growing in the corner of the parking lot. You know, you can go look at the goldenrod or the milkweed and you can look for pollinators. And you can, mm-hmm. you don't need to have a fancy sort of infrastructure built environment to take class outside and to do a lot of the lessons and activities that we propose on our website, really just getting outside and interacting with nature and flowers and leaves and plants and, um, and all of it is so beneficial for kids. It's, it's great that when they can cultivate the earth and plant seeds, but it's also great to just interact. So we were, you know, trying to, trying to call attention to those resources. Um, and we also developed a program this past fall. It launched right as this past school year started called Lessons to Grow By. And it's a week by week subscription program. It's totally free, but folks subscribe and every week they receive, um, a lesson and three activities to do with kids around garden-based learning. So pollinators, plant parts, all these different aspects of garden-based learning. Um, and it was designed mm-hmm. to be to be done remotely. So um, educators could send it home for parents to do or parents could do it at home with kids. That's awesome. Well, I know <laughs> there's a lot of things from 2020 that I think we'll be relieved to move on from, but hopefully some yeah. of these good things will stick and we'll, we'll see a continued interest in more class time outside and that interaction with nature and all the good things that come from that. As a parent, that's something that I really hope for and I'm really excited for seeing a movement in that direction. So thinking about being at home and gardening at home, if you're talking to a family that's curious about getting started with a garden at home but have maybe never grown anything before, what would your advice to them be? Where would you recommend that they start? Yeah, it's a great question, and we get this question a lot. And we recommend that folks start small, just like the students that I spoke about in Ohio. Start with some five-gallon buckets or start with some containers on the patio or on the deck or even start, if you don't have a lot of outdoor space, even start on the windowsill. But, um, you know, set your expectations in line with the age of, of your children, of course, and um, and start small. So you can take that five-gallon bucket, poke holes in the bottom for drainage, add potting soil, and then, you know, plant plant some veggies or plant some, some herbs. And we always encourage parents to let 
kids choose the plants and things that they're excited about. Um, it's helpful mm-hmm. to guide them towards things that are easy to grow, um, but to let them make the final decision so it's truly their garden. Like I have a space at home in my mm-hmm. raised bed that is uh, my my eldest son. His name is Enzo, and I have a sign on it that says Enzo's Garden. And honestly, it's a mess. Like <laughs> it does not look <laughs> like what I want my garden to look like. And it has little like gnomes and trolls in it, and it has like broken toys and some weeds. But it also has mint and like some really fun plants that he wants to grow. And I just try to let it be his garden and I try not to micromanage it or make it perfect, you know, like so there are crooked rows and weeds. Um, So you really want to build that ownership. And then I think another piece of advice is, um, you know, not not trying to do it all so Maybe the first few years you buy your plants as starts. And then once you get comfortable with that, you could try starting seeds. Um, and then um, y- you can go from there. But there are things that are harder to grow, like tomatoes, for example. Starting tomatoes from seeds can be challenging. You can buy delicious mm-hmm. tomatoes from the local nursery or garden center um, and start your lettuce at home from seed because that's easy to grow from seed. So that's, you know, some of the main advice I like to give. I also like to encourage people to create spaces for play. So to build um, bean forts or sunflower houses or reading chairs. So making little green spaces that are their spaces to hang out and be in the garden. And, um, you know, a lot of Folks who spend out time spend time outdoors with their kids probably know of the idea of the sit spot. But you could create a spot where your kid can sit and sort of reflect and look around at what's going on in the garden and, and slow down. So we have activities on our site for sunflower houses and bean forts, just really fun things that you can plant that kids can, you know, play in. Yes. We did well, we we tried to make a sunflower fort last year it, it ended up being a li- not quite as full as we were planning because a lot of the <laughs> sunflower starts ended up getting eaten oh, by something yeah. coming around our garden um, but it was a lot of fun and i know for myself with a toddler my youngest really just wants to dig yes and you don't necessarily want her to dig your you know brand new baby plants that you're trying to take care of but but having a little bit of space that was just kind of carved out for them yep. worked so well for them to be able to just play and and um, experience the garden in the way that they wanted to. Exactly. Yeah, this was, I, I learned this from my mom, honestly, not through my work, but I always had a little patch of the garden when I was little that was that was mine to do whatever I wanted with. And sometimes it was digging. And I remember she had lamb's ears that she gave me to plant and I would just brush my bare feet over those all the time. And now thinking mm. back, it's like, oh yeah, that was a beautiful sensory experience. But I wasn't thinking of it that way, of course, at the time. But I think yeah. thinking of it as a sensory experience is really important and helpful in setting your expectations, kind of uh, aligning them appropriately. Like some kids do just want to dig. Some kids just want to pick leaves and smell them. You know, some kids just want to munch on everything. So, um, you know, allowing that exploration and and just making the the garden a space for that creativity and exploration is going to be more fun for everyone. And I did want to also 
invite your listeners to participate in something fun we have going on called Kids Garden Month. And we do this every year in April. And our theme for this year is tell us what you love about your garden. So we have all kinds of fun prizes that we're offering folks like gift cards to to gardener supply to access Mm -hmm. um, more gardening tools and and more um, garden materials, all kinds of things that we're giving away as part of this contest. But you can go to kidsgardening.org and enter in Kids Garden Month. Tell us what you love about your garden. And it can be anything from a poem that your child wrote to a photograph, um, a drawing that they made. We get some really beautiful entries. You know, sometimes it's spoken word. Sometimes it's a a song or, um, you know, some piece of art. So the the sky's the limit. But if you want another, um, another avenue for engaging in gardening with your kids, you can um, come to kidsgardening.org and participate in Kids Garden Month. That sounds awesome. I know we will definitely be checking it out and thinking Great. about how we can participate and, and submit something. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, we are just about out of time. And so to wrap up, I know you've mentioned your website a, a couple times, but if listeners want to learn more about Kids Gardening, and want to find ways that they can support your organization, where can they find you? So we are kidsgardening.org, and there's all kinds of materials there for folks to download and and use and subscribe to our newsletter, and you'll receive free activities and lesson plans a couple times a month. We're also on, you know, all the social media platforms as at kidsgardening, so Instagram and Facebook. We have a really active Pinterest as well where you can go and and grab okay. the activities. So that's a fun place to collect the activities that you love in your little Pinterest pins. Well, thank you so much. I know we just got some grass seed and we are going to try making some um, plant people. Oh, good. This week. It's so really, really fun. excited about it. <laughs> yeah. And the kids can so, give them a haircut. That was the most fun part. Like yes. the grass grows yeah. up and then you can do the haircut, <laughs> which everybody loves. Yes, and I would much rather them do the haircut on their plant people than on themselves. Or the baby sister, yeah. (laughs) Or the baby sister, yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Em, for coming on and talking about your organization. And thank you for all of the good work you are doing. And I wish you all the best and more growth in 2021. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I had such a great time talking with Em and learning from her about her organization and also all of the benefits and great learning opportunities that she has seen through gardening with her own kids and all of the programs that her organization has helped get off the ground. I hope this episode has inspired you to grow something this year. If you want to keep hearing great conversations about getting outside, don't forget to hit subscribe. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can also find me on Instagram at Happy Outdoor Families, where I'd love to connect with you. Don't forget to tune in again on Wednesday for our next Happy Outdoor Playtime, all about using our bodies to play like clouds. And if you haven't had a chance yet to leave a rating and written review, I would greatly appreciate it. I hope you have a great week and get to enjoy some time outside.